Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, Lord of mercy. All night, Sunday, Central. Follow me now. Say, say, I think it's the rolling hip-hop. Say, Jay Rolls is the rolling hip-hop. Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the Created for Marketers by Marketers podcast. My name is Billy Louisu, and we've been working hard to find marketing topics which will help you level up your skills, and that will blow your mind. Today is episode 14, and the topic we'll be covering is loyalty and personalization. We'll be discussing what is loyalty, both from the business and the consumer's perspective, plus the importance of data and relevance when it comes to driving advocacy. My guest for today is Elise Jones. Elise is a passionate, customer-centric and data-driven marketer. Elise's professional experience spans across the market, having worked in financial and professional services, retail, FMCG, sport and franchising industries. Today, she's the National CRM and Loyalty Manager at Total Tools. Elise, how are you? I'm good, Billy. How are you? I am well. Thank you for joining me on this windy Melbourne day. It is, isn't it? Uh, yes. And the, the strange thing is we probably are a couple of streets away from each other and we're doing this uh, completely virtual. So uh, <laughs> thanks for joining me. No, thanks for having me. Um, so the first question we jump into today, I mean, today's topic is super interesting, loyalty and personalization. I had the pleasure of seeing you speak at an event, uh, a loyalty event last year. When this topic came up, I thought, you know, perfect to, to get you on to talk about your experience. Before we do that, I want to ask you a question around marketers and music. What type of music do you listen to? What's your favorite album? Look, at the, at the moment, I'm kind of into some chilled tracks, very much just, to, you know, on Spotify radio, a um, bit of country going on in there. Um, but hands down, favorite, I'm just going to say favorite artist is Celine Dion. Um, and don't, don't, I hear you laughing, don't hold that against me. Like, I'm obsessed with her. I've seen her twice, you know, when she came out the other year. So anything, any one of her albums would be um, my go-to. My heart, my heart will go on. I, I can just hear that. My mum's singing that in the kitchen back See, home. See, <laughs> it, it appeals to all. She's, yeah, she's super. Her, that's a what, hell of a line on her. She's uh, one of the best voices I think I've ever heard too. Yeah, absolutely. She never fails. Country uh, music is, I've never really got into it, but there is some really, really good chill tunes that you can listen to. Do you listen to them when you work? Do you sing along or...? Do I sing along? No, not really. I think when I'm working, I'm kind of in the zone, quite focused and, you know, music can often be a bit of a distraction, but if I've really got something I can sink my teeth into, definitely good to have, you know, uh, going along in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bit the same. Sometimes I do get distracted with depending on the tunes. Um, so before we jump into the, the meaty topics, I would love, give me a bit of introduction on yourself. Um, how you landed into the loyalty industry and, you know, um, why this topic is so is so fit for you? Yeah, so I've jumped around quite a little bit in my career from when I started off. You know, I was working in very much direct marketing um, at CPA Australia um, in a finance body and then moving into more digital marketing, um, digital marketing at L'Oreal um, to Cricket Australia, which was kind of real database membership and which was a really cool time. We were, well, I was there, you know, when the Aussies returned to earn mm-hmm. as part of the Ashes series. Um, I knew nothing about cricket when I started there and, and ended up walking away a real passionate fan, a real purist fan of, of the game. 
Um, and then I really dived into pure loyalty um, when I went over to Maya, um, so department store to work on Maya One, um, and then followed that through working on the Country Road cardholder program through Trenering Country Road, um, and then took a break and actually headed over to London to work for Transport for London and was involved in trying to get people to ride their bikes more. So I'm not sure if you've been to London, but the Santander, those, all the Boris bikes and getting mm -hmm. people to ride A to B and, and um, drive that engagement, which was really cool. That's cool. Yeah, and now I'm at Total Tools. So, you know, Total Tools is Australia's largest professional tool retailer and I look after their loyalty program. And we're really passionate about really delivering um, tailored product recommendations and professional service and advice to our trade customers. Wow. So I, I think, you know, your, your background from working in sport, you know, with one of the most passionate fan base in cricket, Australia, <laughs> um, seeing the lo these loyalists probably tattoo themselves with, with the kangaroo and, and, the, and the, their favourite players and all sorts of cra crazy stuff that these passionate fans do. It's probably given you a bit of insight as to how you can take some of those learnings and put it into retail loyalty, you know, my one country road, getting people to ride bikes around London and now total tours got one hell of a, one hell of a uh, career you've had. Um, very diverse, but I'm sure you can take learnings into the role that you're in today. Absolutely. And I think in this field too, um, the principles and applications are the same. It's all about trying to solve for the different customer need um, or trying to solve a different customer problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Spot on. So, Loyalty, it's an interesting word. Um, everyone has very different interpretations of it. But to you, what does loyalty mean, both as a consumer and as a marketer? Mm. So from either side, it's really about the value exchange. It's the two-way street. It's all about the relationship. It's about giving. It's about trust. You know, it's about looking after your mates. If you think about what a loyal friend is, you know, you both have to put in effort to make it work. Um, mm. And as a consumer, I feel it's about, you know, what's in it for me? How, how are you going to reward me for shopping with you? How are you going to add value into my day-to-day -day life and make it easier or provide, you know, a memorable or positive experience? And that's going to mean something different to every single individual consumer. Um, but for me, I've had some really positive experiences like um, realising the value of my Qantas points where I was able to redeem or, you know, cash them in to get a business class seat going over to London. That was a great experience and delivered great value. Um, same as um, at Maya, you know, I was lucky enough to go along as a guest of a Maya One Platinum member who was invited to like an exclusive one-to-one -one meet and greet with, you know, supermodel Victoria's Secret, um, supermodel Heidi Klum, mm -hmm. which was super cool. And also just something as simple, um, but valuable as in getting, you know, $10 off your next supermarket shop. So really all different types of experiences, but each adding a unique form of value. It's uh, it's um, looking after your mates. I think there's so much uh, synergy between you saying that and the fact that you work for Total Tools. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's such a, it's such a, it's a tradey term, but looking after you, it's such a simple way to kind of distill it and the value exchange between a brand and its consumer. And it has to be a two way street. Yeah. Nicely Absolutely. put. Yeah. And, and from, a, as a marketer, I think, you know, we would all say that loyalty is such a huge driver for retail. 
our most loyal customers are the ones who are really going to engage more, shop more, spend more, and really drive that incremental sales and, and business outcome. So it's important that we look after them and create that ultimate customer experience because we want them to keep coming back and engaging with us and choosing us above all other, um, I suppose, purchase considerations and factors, you know, such as price. And uh, loyalty and loyalty programs, I really think, give us that opportunity to influence and reward behaviour. And sometimes that's behaviour that you might not take naturally, um, but that dangling of a carrot through a, a loyalty program might influence that behaviour. And, you know, we really want to try and, as I said before, solve that customer problem or inspire them and, and deliver value wherever they choose to engage with us. Yeah. Status and tiers. I think there's a lot of people that talk about the status run in in you know travel loyalty programs. Like they don't want to lose that platinum status, so they will book a random flight to Tasmania or to Sydney and and come home in the same day just to maintain that status. It means that much to them. Absolutely. And look, I'm guilty of doing that too. You know, I <laughs> I went up uh, to Sydney um, to to redeem points part of the IHG group um, and to redeem a night, a free night um, at the Intercontinental in Double Bay. So I wouldn't have done that otherwise, but it, you know, it was about to expire. Um, so, you, you know, it's that sense of FOMO, right? Yeah. Out and, there you go. Yeah. Thursday night. How many points do we need so we can maintain our status? Let's just drive to Sydney for the weekend, sweetheart. Totally. That's <laughs> Amazing. Exactly, that's exactly how it was. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. That's uh um, yeah, yeah, I can echo the sentiment. I've, I've definitely done things like that to maintain a status. It's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's the beauty and the, you know, I, I guess behind loyalty and the psychology behind getting people to do certain things. And it's, it's the gamification. It's, it's quite, quite fun when you're walking, working through as a marketer. So I'm glad you shared the different angles and the different perspectives for us. Um, yeah. Do you, I guess a lot of conversation around also like, do you need a loyalty program in particular times like today? Um, there are brands like, you know, Apple as an example and Aesop who don't have traditional loyalty programs, but have a huge loyalty following. I'm just interested in your take on that. Yeah. Look, my view is no, you don't. Um, at the end of the day, fundamentally customers are going to shop because they have a need or a want for a product um, and then they're going to look at you because of your core offering, right? So your product, your price, your range, your service, convenience. That's just how it is. Um, but I think, well, not but, but I think a lot of brands are doing a really great job of really driving customer loyalty without a rewards program by creating a really exceptional customer experience. And, you know, you mentioned um, Apple, right? They've got, when you walk into one of those stores, it's just such an experience. There's staff everywhere. How can I help you? Mm. You know, the customer service through the Genius Bar, and you really get sucked into wanting the best new tech, you know, everything that's fancy. It's a real following. And a brand like Appliances Online, um, it's so much value add just from shopping with them. You get free shipping, free removal of your goods, you know, your white goods, free recycling, free connection, that's all stuff that adds value and convenience to me, to me as an everyday consumer. It solves pain points for problem. me. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and it's the same with something like Aesop, you know, uh, that's a personal brand. I love it, but I'm, I'll happily pay full price because I love going in there. It's a beautiful experience. The staff are really wonderful. And again, you're just drawn in going back. There's that sort of trust um, within it. 
you know, Apple and the Genius Bar example, you, they don't even try and sell you anything. You know, that's the, that's the beauty of their whole experience. You walk into these amazing stores, ASOP being the same, pro, um, products are placed perfectly for you to experience them and smell yeah. them. Um, but people don't go up and smell a laptop, but definitely I'm talking about ASOP in that example. Um, and you, you, you may leave with something, you may leave with an accessory for, for your, um, for your laptop or your iPhone or your iPad. And you mentioned appliances online. I went and bought a barbecue through them and the removal of my old barbecue was such an value add that I would buy my appliances through them next, just because of such a small, benefit but it wasn't it's not small in my eyes like i didn't want to what was i going to do with that barbecue sit it on the nature strip hoping someone comes past and needs it for scrap metal like they took that pain away so great point yeah absolutely and but i think some bet some brands are starting to play more in the loyalty space so you know take hogan for example you know pure play online retailer and, and so big and great at what they do you know they've introduced kogan first um which is a paid subscription and you get the offset benefits of, you know, free shipping on, on unlimited products um, and a few other benefits, kind of like the Amazon Prime mm-hmm. model, you know, your annual fee of $99 and you get free shipping and guaranteed two-day delivery. So, you know, if you're a high consumer, high volume consumer of this type of brand, you know, that's, that's a value add and something that you're prepared to um, pay for. And from the brand point of view, they know that's a core benefit that customers would be willing to pay for as well. Convenience. You mentioned like the Kogan first, just removing again that that, that pain point. Um, great example. For those brands who do create a loyalty program, you yourself, Total Tools, have one, um, and we can dive into that a little bit later. But does it have to include points? You know, I'm interested. These programs that people do create and brands do have, like, what are the what are the mechanics? Look, I mean, even just to take that back one step, and if we define, you know, a loyalty program and why you would have it, you know, it allows us to marketers or businesses to offer really rewards or incentives to influence that customer behavior and drive that repeat engagement back to their brand. Um, You know, what I said before, brands want to be the destination, you know, the top of choice um, when customers need to make a purchase. So a loyalty program can help make, a relationship with a customer more sticky, I suppose, by rewarding that type of behaviour. And, and and you'll know these quotes. You know, everyone will throw around that um, it's five times more expensive to acquire a customer than to retain, you know, a new one. And a loyal customer is mm-hmm. um, has greater value than a non-member. So there is real value um, to strengthen that relationship um, with a customer through a loyalty program. And coming back to whether or not it needs points or not, um, no points are, I suppose, a traditional um, mechanism and, you know, a standard earn-burn type of model, but there's different ways you can execute on that as well. It, you know, you can have an always-on, you can have a paid subscription, you can have everyday member pricing, you know, like a $20 annual fee and you'll get 10% off um, RRP um, every time you shop. You can do third-party extensions, such as adding, you know, extent, uh, insurance as part of your core product offering, and really getting up to those more um, complex sort of coalition type models, you know, your flybys, Qantas, your Woolworths, who really partner with other retailers so you can pull your points and get mm. and earn points or redeem points through natural everyday um, activity. And, and I think we've just seen um, Catch has actually just partnered with, uh, with flybys as well so you can earn 
you know, more points, boost your points balance um, when you shop um, with catch um, and increase your flybys points as well. Interesting. Yeah, you mentioned earn and burn and the different types of rewards and moving to these paid subscription models and catches coalition program. You know, I'm, I, I think there's, there is definitely a, a way that, you know, we're not just measuring transactions anymore, which I think is a really interesting movement in loyalty. There are experiential programs which are starting to come out now as well. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen, well, it is AIA Vitality, which, you know, rewards you for being Maybe. fit and healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ties right into that value proposition, you know, like what is loyalty? Well, you'll get a better rate on your health if and your health insurance if you just go and do those steps towards being a healthier human. Medibank has just launched something very similar um, and there's a couple of brands I know in the US and they almost like the, um, the athlete's foot of, of American retail where they reward you in two ways. They reward you for spending. So they give you cash back offers. The more you spend, the more you save. And then they have a metric which they classify as miles. So the more you run, the more you stay actively fit, the more they get you involved in VIP at exclusive events like, um, running challenges with, you know, with famous athletes and all sorts of stuff. So you, you do have this two pronged approach. Um, do you, do you see that as starting to influence more, um, in, in loyalty programs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need to, when you need to move beyond just transactional, that's the straightforward one, right? So there's mm. even, you know, you can, you can have your tiers, gifts with purchase, you know, it, it's about status, even simple punch cards, you know, a, a nail salon, you get your, or your you know, boost, you get your fifth one kind of free, that all adds value. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you need to look at other ways to A, keep customers engaged and B, reward them if a transactional purchase isn't also available. Um, so, you know, we've spoken about surveys, engaging in social media, you know, mm. referring friends. So there's definitely, I think, Brands will need to start to look um, more holistically about offering channels for customers to get rewarded um, and earn earn any time and earn value. Love it! It's so diverse now, which is fantastic um, that we're seeing, you know, brands trying to inject themselves into more ways than one. Mm. Um, does a does a loyalty program have to be customer facing? You know, we've heard a bit about covert loyalty as well, and these surprise and delight programs. Um, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think you need to show the customer this, this mechanic, or do you think you can hide it and still have a very successful program? I think you can hide it and still have a successful program. I think the things I love about surprise and delight is, um, you know, they're unexpected. And at the end of the day, if you look at the psychology of consumer, everyone loves, if if we're talking about transactional rewards or activities as as surprise and delight, everyone loves free money. Everyone loves (laughs) everyone loves something for everyone loves, you know, something for nothing. It's like that sense of FOMO. Um, Mm. You know, I got a reward not that long ago. It was about 50 bucks from witchery. And I went in straight away um, to redeem it because I didn't know it was coming. And then it also creates that um, word of mouth and that domino effect as you sort of become brand, a brand advocate um, as well. Um, and these sort of surprise and delight, um, if we are talking transactional, can really, you know, they're short, sharp and highly responsive. They often car- um, carry, you know, shorter expiry and really 
um, drive that sense of urgency to influence behavior that we were talking about before. But, you know, it doesn't always have to be transactional. If you've got a tier-based program, you might give some customers the opportunity to experience a goal, you know, a high tier membership for a year, you know, give them a taste of what they could achieve, um, you know, and, and encourage their spend, something aspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, it's really about looking at the data and, and really carving out those segments within your, your database about, you know, uh, and really looking at customers who, have, who might have a high propensity to buy or, you know, predicted revenue potential and using surprise and delight as a mechanism to engage them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that's a simple, you know, surprise and delight, you know, you know, the urgency you speak to of the having to spend these vouchers and then the referral mechanism that that creates and the FOMO is, is, is such a core part of gamifying your program. You've mentioned around, um, urgency, you've mentioned convenience, um, you've mentioned relevance. What are the key things to consider when building a loyalty program? Having done that yourself, you know, recently, I'm interested to hear your take. I think the first thing to consider is whether or not you actually need a loyalty program. And by that, I'm talking to, you know, what works for someone else might not necessarily work for you. You need to be authentic to your customer, to your business and what particular problem that you are trying to solve for, you know, what friction you are trying to remove and what value you're trying to add. And it's important to research both quant and qual along the way. So engage your customer um, throughout the journey, probe them with any ideas, you know, seed benefits that you might be um, looking to um, create as part of a loyalty program and see if they're actually interested in it. So don't assume. Um, And the same, I suppose, if you're in a franchise network like us or have other stakeholders who have real core buy-in, take them on the journey with you as well, because it's, you know, you want a loyalty program to be part of your DNA. It's like, you know, McDonald's, you know, do you want fries with that? It's got to be something that comes off from, from everyone. So everyone's going to own it. And it's important, you know, loyalty programs, especially if you are talking about transactional or financial rewards, it it's plus money and it comes with a liability. So you need to look at what you're prepared to offer in exchange um, for customer loyalty and also manage any financial risk. Um, and it's important to keep it simple. I think, you know, complex programs can confuse customers, you know, and or they might see not a lot of value if they think there's too many hurdles to jump through to get any type of reward or that, that reward is too far away. Um, so that immediacy they're not getting. And, and finally, really, you don't want to um, get stale or, or lose relevance. Customer expectations are constantly changing. Um, so you need to keep optimising, reviewing performance of your loyalty program and see if it still, you know, meets the current customer need. Um, and I think there's a lot of brands revamping their loyalty programs. I think we've seen Priceline Sister Club is about to relaunch their new loyalty program soon. And, you know, we've seen Woolworths Rewards rebrand to that Everyday Rewards as well, which really signals to the customer I'm getting value every day mm-hmm. from this transaction. Yeah, that's um, you, and that goes back to research, you know, so you've, you stay optimize and keep changing, go back to point two, right? Do your research both internally and externally to see what we can optimize, what we could change about our program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've done that recently, right? You've done an overhaul at total tools with your loyalty program. And I'm keen to see like, 
how did that go? Where did, where did you start? Tell us about that. Is it finished? It is finished. So, well, it's, you know, if I listen to my own words, it's ever evolving. Um, but, you know, about three and a half years ago, we relaunched our loyalty program. Um, we had a real focus on sort of enhancing our capabilities and really building the ultimate customer experience and identified some of those friction points that were undermining our success. And the loyalty program was one of them. And by that, I mean, it's because we had, we did some customer research out to our base and we had low, uh, low satisfaction and really poor participation um, amongst the customers who were actually engaging with our program and getting any type of reward out of it. It was very much a legacy program that just had so many barriers and friction points to get any type of reward. Data was in silos. Um, it was very much a one-way street because we weren't amplifying the data to benefit the customer and the value proposition was just too confusing um, and too complex. So we relaunched um, our program uh, called Insider Rewards, which is a name that the customers actually voted on as well. So we engaged them throughout the, pro the process so it meant something to them. And essentially the launch of the program means every single one of our customers and start sort of earning and redeeming points and earning value from day one. We gave them choice on products that they could, you know, redeem their points on. We gave them more time. So you'll hear about, you know, what is an active member, you know, or you need to shop once in 12 months to keep your points alive. So that sort of um, choice and time. And it, essentially it was a simple structure to interact with and be rewarded. It was honest. It's removed the barriers and we have a better understanding of what our customers wanted from the relationship with us. So we knew, well, we know what a valuable exchange was to them, but I mean, that was three years ago now. So we need to constantly keep looking, keep researching, you know, on what the customers expect and in the, in the changing climate um, as well to meet their needs. That's really cool. Um, you know, you, you've got three really distinct consumers. I mean, sorry, customers, from your perspective that you need to engage in such a huge project. Mm. You've got your tradies, you've got your customers, you've got your business owners, you've got your franchise, well, franchise owners, you've got your suppliers. So hats off to being able to pull so many people and so many different moving parts together to relaunch that um, and really simplify your proposition. And as you said, you know, eating your own dog food, you know, you speak about this process and you speak about the philosophy and you've, you've gone and lived it. So um, yeah. it's it's great to see. It's great to see that you guys um, are still changing it too. Oh, absolutely. Um, and as I said, you know, what works for one doesn't work for another. So this was a model that worked for our business and our consumer. And then we'll constantly look to iterate what that looks like going mm -hmm. into the future. So a big part of your philosophy and your kind of your framework is research. And obviously research gives you insight, which is, you know, data at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, data is also, you've mentioned as a key driving force for, you know, the way you interact with your customers um, and the way that you communicate with them. So, you know, how is how important is data when it comes to loyalty? Very important. Because um, in, in my view, loyalty is more than just about um, points or, or whatever mechanism you have. It's really moving beyond loyalty program to customer loyalty and customers give us their data um, and expect us to use it to add value to their day-to-day -day lives. And a lot of businesses, you know, are sitting on a gold line of data really with a whole heap of actionable insights that can influence um, fundamental outcomes across a business, you know, by influencing um, and engaging customer 
behavior. So from my point of view, we need to use the data to deliver really the ultimate personalized experience because if you just live in product and price and think that'll be enough to engage the customer, I think you'll really lose relevance and you're not keeping up with the changing customer um, preferences. So it's really about creating a personalized experience wherever the customer chooses to engage with you. And to that end, it's also about making sure, you know, you've got systems, whether it's in store or online that can capture the data that you need, you know, having pause set up or an app or the website. So you're capturing that rich data to make an informed decision. Mm. Yeah, you know, data is is the lifeblood of a business these days, and and the same with the um, with the with loyalty and consumer expectations. And you've touched on that quite a bit throughout this um, throughout this podcast. So, we speak of you know digital, and we speak about um, data, and now we speak about experience. And one of the touch points for you in particular is that store experience, which will never go away. Right. I mean, the store is so relevant today. It's still as relevant today. Most retailers will tell you that it still drives 90% of their, um, their revenue. So how do you keep that human interaction and, and how important is the store experience to build relationships with your customers? Huge. Um, I think stores um, give us that ability to have to build that emotional and human interaction with our consumers um, one great thing that we do as part of our program, which is a, a benefit of being a member, is actually have these trade nights where I wish I could actually show you a photo because it's really <laughs> awesome. You know, we get hundreds of people um, packed into one, you know, of customers' trades packed into one of our stores. You know, sausage sizzles, we've got all of our suppliers, you know, tins of BB, you know, in, in some stores. And, you know, at Christmas, you know, we've got a Christmas tree, you get, you get, extended value and offers and rewards on the night. But the main thing is it's not actually just about a sale. It's also about mates getting together to have a conversation and just hang out together. It's a really cool way of just creating an experience that isn't necessarily always attached to a transaction. Um, So that's one great way. But I think the other way about that connection in store, I think you and I have touched on that, is about removing that need for... um, how can I help you? Because with the data that's available um, in stores, you know, as soon as a customer walks into one of our stores, um, our, our teams already have a relationship with the customer, right? They can find the data about the customer, but they're already going to know what trade they're in, maybe what job they're doing because they came in last, you know, last week and had a conversation and be able to recommend a tool that they might need for a job that they're doing. It's a really rich, you know, personalised experience relevant to the individual. Mm-hmm. Well, I like how you started with it's looking after your mates and then you've just given us a really good snapshot into how maybe your your in-store experience is with trade nights of 500 people with tins of VB, sausage sizzles and Christmas trees. Um, that's, yeah, and you can't just create that through a program. I think that's all comes down to the franchise owner and the value proposition that you've created as a brand, really knowing who your customer is and giving them what they need. Um, yeah, that's, that's super cool. I, I think um, every brand wants to try and create that. And it seems like from, from what I've heard, Total Tools was, was definitely a, a leader in that space. You talk about removing the need for how can I help you. Mm. Um, 
again, you know, customer clienteling has been the, the dream for marketers for so long. Um, we hear about these from some of the research I've done in speaking with franchise owners, they've all got these little black books of their local customers where they, they know their birthdays, their kids, you know, the car color that the car does they drive, you know, what hobbies they enjoy. They even send messages to them around new products that have come in that they think they would like. Mm. Um, and your insight of how you can bring that data into that CRM experience and in-store experience is just really making that process more efficient. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love that idea. It's, you know, as a consumer, you know, I've, I've worked with um, Q before and, you know, they'll ring me and say, look, we've got these new outfits in, you might like them. So it's just going above and beyond knowing what I've purchased before or what I'm interested in and having that personalized experience. Mm. Yeah. Look, we're coming to the end of the podcast. Um, there's so many meaty topics we could, we could probably talk for an hour, but I know you've got other things to get to Elise. Um, <laughs> the, the last two questions I have for you is uh, what is the one skill after everything we've discussed that you think marketers need to take away from this conversation? I think the ability to analyze the data. Um, it's about really understanding your customer and their purchase patterns. Um, and really customer loyalty needs to be centered around the customer to make it effective. And then on, off the back of that, it's when you do know something, um, you do get an insight. It's, it's good to do something with it. You know, sometimes if you wait for perfection, um, you're gonna miss an opportunity to learn. So sometimes it's important to, I guess, either get a small win or a fail. Um, and that's coming back to that whole optimization and test and learn theory as well. Yep. Yeah. Act quickly. Yeah. You, you've, you've definitely demonstrated that in, in relaunching of your program, you've understood your customer insights and you've, and you've, you know, implemented something and, and tested along the way. So that's a great skill. Um, and definitely something that I know from speaking to a lot of marketers, they're trying to do more of remove that red tape internally as, as they say. Um, yes. And buzzword bingo wouldn't be a credit for marketers podcast without buzzwords. What is your favorite buzzword for 2020? Well, my favorite buzzword is democratization. <laughs> and I picked this up when I was at a, um, an Adobe conference last year, but it's all, it's, it really sings true about, it's breaking down the data silos and that sharing of information across channels. Cause you know, when we come back to that personalization, it's no good if data sits in one channel and you can't share that and sort of create that omni experience wherever the customer chooses to engage with you. So it's, mm -hmm. I think it, yeah, really seems true. You're the first person that's mentioned democratization. <laughs> right. Uh, I've heard pivot. Um, I've heard, uh, you know, the, um, it, you know, what was the other one that new, the new normal that's come up, <laughs> has come up a lot, but democratization. Thanks for the, the unique buzzword. Um, and data silos is, is, is huge. And you can see businesses like Netflix um, using the data they have on their customers to give opportunities to producers to create movies. Like uh, they've been able to say people who like, um, you know, X are also watching Y. So we should make a movie about those two things together. And it's, it's huge. I mean, the world we live in and it's a really exciting space. Thank you so much for today. It's been really insightful. Um, there's so many things we spoke about from, do you need a program? Um, the core components of building a program and how you can keep your program fresh and relevant. 
Um, it's been super helpful and I loved, loved having you on the show. So thanks, Elise. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Billy. It's been great to chat with you.